Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Jingwei of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Jingwei of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. I've been to our postage facility, Adam. Oh, did you make the post office aware of our new rules mm-hmm. and regulations? Yeah, I walked in there doing a, a Bill Maher bit, and uh, all of the postal workers thought it was great. <laughs> oh, wait, so what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to go into the company mail call slack and look oh, at the- Oh, God, we've got a crop- We've got to cross rem. You know what I mean. <laughs> you got to do that thing where you look at one thing and then another and make sure that they're the same. Cross reverberum. I think I'm seeing cross reference. Cross reference. See, ankylosaur. So I'm I'm going to open the ones that I can confirm we do have photos of from the senders. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and uh, get into this. All right. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code forty-seven. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain size only. Did you also get the letters to their families <laughs> and the embarrassing photographs and all those? No compromat was uh, included as far as I could tell. Mm. What about these flat ones? Like, these can't have glitter in them, right? The thing is, Ben, the flat ones could have the most glitter. Yeah. You'd have more glitter in the flat ones than anything else. Boy, you said it. Should I just throw caution? I mean, like, this is like, we're, we're in the transitionary period between system and no system. Should I just open all this shit? It's your keyboard, <laughs> pal. <laughs> all right. Okay, I'm just going to open the ones that I have confirmation on. God, this is so much more complicated. <laughs> yeah, we did a bad thing. Why did we do this? We shouldn't have let this back into our lives. I opened a beer that just has too much flavor. Oh, no. Not too much flavor, Adam. Oh, no. <laughs> too much flavor. Just try to enjoy the notes. All right. This uh, first one here is from Anna in Woodstock, Georgia. I like the flavor that's between the notes. Mm. <laughs> so you should have just had a jazz gummy is what you're saying. Yep. Just says Ben on it. Just says Ben. Oh, okay, good. That's that's <laughs> fine. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Whoa. This is a baby blanket. It's a beautiful Wesley Crusher-themed baby blanket. That's amazing. In the acting ensign colors. Look at that. Oh, there's a there's a letter here. I didn't see the letter at first. It fell out. It goes like this. Dear Ben and Adam, earlier this year, my friend Patrick, who introduced me to TNG when we were kids, welcomed his first kid into the world, and to celebrate, I had she who is my wife make a fitting present for his son. When I heard you and your wife were expecting, I had to ask her to make another for your little one. As a small thanks for the countless hours of laughter you had brought me. Hopefully, it brings a smile to your face and is subtle enough to fly under your wife's radar. I had planned to get it to you beforehand, but hopefully your son hasn't yet become a being of pure energy and will get to enjoy it. Adam, not wanting to leave you out. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm paying attention. I have included something special for you as well. 
What do you got there? However, while Ben gets the result of my wife's many weeks of careful labor, you get the result of a night of drunkenly rewatching Lower Decks. May these coasters bring you laughter, and if not, you can at least hurl them at the hecklers at the next Atlanta live show. But not Terry. She was sweet. Thanks again for the years of laughs. I can't wait to see you next time you're in Atlanta, Kevin. I can't wait to be in Atlanta. Yeah, man. Atlanta is a treat every time. Oh, man. Those look great. You've got a uh, Maestro Da Vinci Clockwork Masturbatory Automation Coaster set. <laughs> Maravilloso. I love it. That's great. Man, these are nice. They're like the, the cork-backed. I wonder if these are of the same style that we sell on podshop.biz. I wonder. They look great. We have drunk Shimoda coasters over there that are also cork-backed. Oh, P.S. Can I get a Harry Kim drop? Something about it reminds me of being in the womb. Get up, Harry. Who are you? Harry Kim. Parents must be very proud. Who are you? They come as come as a pair. Who are you? Harry Kim. Who else is she supposed to get chummy with? Harry Kim. And your mom? Very proud. Who are you? Harry Kim. Chummy. Chummy. And your mom? Very proud. Harry Kim. Who are you? Harry Kim. Shout out to my completely different friend, Patrick, who bought tickets for us to the first Atlanta live show before even telling me about the podcast, which resulted <laughs> in my binging all of the TNG run in about four weeks. Thank you for introducing me to this silly show. You truly are the Adam drunk on Talaxian champagne to my Ben angrily screaming at his own mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has a co-host they identify with. Oh, man. Well, thank you, Kevin, and thank you to Anna, she who is Kevin's wife, for uh, this beautiful blanket. Did Anna make the coasters, too? Seems like she's doing uh, all the work over there. Yeah, it seems, it seems like she's pulling all the weight. Um, I uh, recently went on a trip to New York with my wife and baby, and I I packed two scarves, both of which were knit by Friends of DeSoto, because That's they are great. the two best scarves I own. And my wife didn't suspect a thing. They're both Star Trek scarves, and she didn't know. I have had a Wesley Crusher scarf draped over the back of my office chair since I received it. Yeah, that was one of them. I have not found it since we moved. Oh, man. I'm still holding out hope. Yeah, you're fine. I still think it's somewhere. It is a it is a beloved thing to me. As beloved as, what is that, the, the Montucky tapestry that... Picard drapes over his chair. Yeah, yeah, they do go to they go to a red state in that episode and observe the locals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. It's got to be weird to make things for babies, knowing that they will be covered in loose yellow poop, right? <laughs> like that's just that blanket's fate, huh? That is. That's how that works. All right. Next package I have here: a confirmed official package. All right, good. This is from Ryan and Delmar NY, USPS box that was closed with duct tape, so some really serious business here. Yeah. Something intense inside this box. Yep. The letter's right on top. Oh, my goodness. This is a very formal, like, it's it's on letterhead. Looks like a resume <laughs> or a cover letter. Oh, wait, this is from from Ryan... Richmond, the Fallock Doctor. And it goes like this. Adam and Ben, please find and close some Fallocks, small, medium, and large. 
all with flared faces. Also, I sent peppermint pigs for the holidays. These are an upstate New York tradition that I thought two liberal-minded guys would love. You get to smash a pig with a hammer and then eat their delicious insides. Hopefully you enjoy peppermint and consider this a bribe to come closer to Albany for the Double Dumbass Tour 2, colon, Let's Kill God. <laughs> wow, that's a early front runner for the name of our next tour, I, will, I have to say. I love it. Let's do it. Thanks again for the amazing P1 read for the Falock. Check it out again at falock.com. Hey, <laughs> stop, stop trying to work promos into, into our show for free, Ryan. You know, I happen to know that there are some open performance space up around Albany. I'm not sure if Nexium still has the contract for those locations. But, oh yeah, <laughs> but like I know, I know they're unused at the moment. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna do kind of a combination like business success seminar slash extremely vulgar Star Trek podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hell of a combination. Ryan says, as of today, over 1,100 hits and a few solid leads on the website. You know what that is, Ben? The greatest gen bump. Yeah, that's the greatest gen bump. Uh, P.S. I'd like to echo the sentiments of the Miriam FODs out there. Keep up the great pod. You guys have been a delightful oasis during the last few difficult years. P.P.S. And this is in, like, handwriting that only a doctor could do. So I'm going to oh, try and great. struggle through reading this. Yeah. Uh, it says, PPS, the only thing harder than giving away Star, Star Trek stuff is giving away Star Trek kids stuff. So I used it to pack the box. Sorry. We've got a kid's Star Trek uniform. Oh, my God. This is like an original series, I guess. It looks handmade. In bleu. Oh, we've got a bunch of 3D printed phalocks here. Look at those. Are these broken or... Or do, are they, do they just require some assembly? <laughs> I'm worried that they may be broken. <laughs> oh, no. How do they work? Oh, I see. Wait. You got to check the instructions. They're not broken. There's there's some assembly required. Not broken. Not broken. Not broken. <laughs> not broken. Wow. I have to say, this is an ingenious design. Because you just know how to handle it naturally, don't you? Yeah, it's like the Kirk Cameron banana, you know? It, like, it fits perfectly in your hand, so you know there was an intelligent designer. <laughs> Did this guy also design bananas? <laughs> we got some peppermint bid boxes, another Starfleet uniform. Ben, I'm going to ask you a question. It might be a gross question. Yeah. What do those, uh, those uniforms smell like? They just smell like they're made out of like. Uh, they look antique, is why I'm asking. They look no, they very old. These are like fleece fabric. They're these are a modern fabric. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, lots of fleeces. Yeah. So if Darone ever wants to go as a Starfleet, he has an option of going as a commander. Darone's a couple years away from fitting into that one. Or a lieutenant. You could swaddle Darone yeah. in a uniform like that. This would be like next Halloween at the earliest for yeah. sure. Yeah. But it might work. It wow. might work. That's great. These Good are great. Thank, thank you so much, Ryan. I can't wait to shatter a pig. Cannot wait. Are you going to have to enjoy that when the wife is out of town? Yeah, that's considered trafe in my adopted culture. So uh, <laughs> that's something I'm going to have to do when the cat is away, as it were. <laughs> 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 it's just too easy. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right. Next confirmed box is uh, <laughs> very suspicious looking. It's from Chris in Maple Valley, Washington. It mm. is big. It's packed with gaff tape. It's, this is even more serious than the duct tape one. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a million dads in the world that make the like, oh, fix it with duct tape jokes. They, they ain't got shit on the dads that fix it with gaff tape, right? Well, I mean, they don't have the budget that the people who fix it with gaff tape have. <laughs> Clearly. Imagine spending that much on tape you used for a box. <laughs> So I'm a little unsure what to do here because the part that I'm looking at that would be the obvious part to open says top, do not cut on it. All right. But I don't know how you get in without cutting. Do I cut at the bottom? Do I cut there? I think that's what you do. I go in from the bottom? Here's the thing. I don't want to criticize too much. But if you've already written on a package a do not open message... Maybe just keep on writing. Maybe write where you do open. I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna. I think I'm. In, I think watching I'm, you fucking struggle with this is so maddening. I'm not struggling. I'm doing fine. I'm just trying to not. I'm trying to not ruin. You know, you should go to Ben's birthday party. He doesn't have a lot of friends. Mom, I'm just gonna watch him like struggle to open presents <laughs> for like an hour. All right, we have a letter here. It's to Ben and Adam. It says, Dear Ben and Adam, I accidentally spilled Ractagino on my keyboard while watching TNG, and the resulting short circuit briefly opened up a temporal butthole during which some files appeared on my computer. The data I received apparently originated in the RISA system. I loaded the files into my 3D printer, and the result was something I felt you needed to see for yourselves. <laughs> I'm sending this to you because I couldn't think of a better place for it. There was a document attached, which I'm also including. All the best, Chris. That's a well-written letter, Chris. The attached document from Commander William T. Riker, USS Entrepreneur, quote, Big D, Starfleet UFP 1701-D. Dear Commander Riker, the High Council of the Rice and Hedony wishes to congratulate <laughs> William T. Riker on reaching gold press latinum status on Ryzen Loyalty Rewards Program. This impressive accomplishment entitles you to free lifetime membership at the exclusive Jamaron Zone mm. Resort and Casino. This sounds like uh, season three of The White Lotus, am I right? Yeah. We are also pleased to offer you this limited-use replicator token, which entitles you to create two personalized Horgons performing your signature Riker Maneuver. We look forward to seeing you at our luxurious resorts again soon. Sincerely, did you come yet? Master of Ropes, Supreme Chancellor of the Rice and High Council. That, of course, came on this uh, delightful uh, that is great. postcard. They sell these postcards at the, uh, at the Rice gift shop, apparently. So there's an interior box here, and this is a shiny black box that looks like it's got kind of a 3D printed buckle of some kind. All right, so I'm opening this up and... Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. So what we have here... Whoa! ...are two full-scale Riker-themed horgons. <laughs> but with one leg up for swinging it over the chair that the Riker in question is about to sit down in. And this box is like felt lined. 
the packaging is like as impressive as the 3D print, honestly. Unmentioned in the letter from Chris is one Riker Horgon is none, and two is one. <laughs> yeah, and well, that's why we have two. There's one for each of us, you know? That's great. Wow. If we go out on tour with the Riker Horgons, we can leave one safely at home, you know? Great work. Yeah, it really stupendous work. That is fantastic. <laughs> I can't believe. Really amazing. I'm, all right, I'm back on being glad we have the channel open for, <laughs> for the gifts. All right, we have one last package here that I see a verified uh, sender photo of. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, man, and... This one is from Adam in Calgary, Alberta. Came all the way from overseas in Canada. Wow. We were just talking about Calgary, Alberta the other day. What an interesting coinkydink. Just because we did a show in Edmonton one time and basically everybody that we met was like, why did you do this in Edmonton when you could have done it in Calgary? I had to drive all the way from Calgary. That is not a distinct feeling after most shows that we do. We get a we get a bunch of why did you style questions. <laughs> All right. A lot of packaging here. Interior box wrapped in some black tissue paper. There's a letter to us here on the outside. Easy to find. Yeah. Points for ease of finding. Wow, this is nice. Nice stationery here. Dear Ben and Adam. I've never sent anyone an unsolicited marital aid before. (laughs) Wow. But this just felt right. Use it however you see fit, be it active duty or finding its place among your impressive Horgon collection. I love your shows. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Adam. P.S. I sent a P1 in August with a list of weird names, and I was chided for not sending a pronunciation guide. What I sent was the pronunciation guide. Perfectly delivered, so thank you. Wow. <laughs> we chide because we love. Yeah, we do. <laughs> what Adam has sent is a Leonardo da Vinci ornithopter model. <laughs> wow. Ah, it's Otto. <laughs> I think this is a product that you can buy. Like Yeah, like from a museum. Like a yeah, museum gift shop. <laughs> the horniest product that you could buy in a museum. Yeah, sure is. Oh man, and it's all the parts. It looks like wood. Yeah, it's it's made from wood, just like Maestro would have had access to back in his day. That's great. <laughs> wow. Well, we have a few more packages here. I'm going to have to get with BT on uh, verifying the senders before we open them. But uh, thanks to everyone who sent something in. This was fun. I'm glad we got back in the swing of this. I am glad, too. Good job, Friends of DeSoto. That was nice. It's a new year. It's new package opening fun times. Yeah. Back in it. Yeah. Back in with additional screening. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And Adam, we have a new episode to talk about today. A new old episode of Star Trek Voyager. Would you like to get into it, my friend? What a way to kick off the new year, Ben. What an episode to kick off the new year. Star Trek Voyager, season five, episode six, Timeless. Revert course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. 
It's a LeVar Burton episode. I noticed that. I mean, it was hard to ignore at a certain point. Right. Two credits. <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> we open on the ice world of Hoth. Yeah. You, you hear all the wind whistling. This is probably that same planet that uh, Spock crash landed on in that movie and watched the destruction of Romulus from the surface. I really love how long these figures are shrouded without knowing who they are. You know, like the the familiar beeps of a tricorder give away that they're Starfleets. Yeah. But besides that, you don't know who these guys are as they're trudging through the snow. It kind of reminded me of the away mission on SETI Alpha 5 also. Yeah. They're, uh, I think, in the same away mission jacket and pants that Quark and Odo had to share. Remember yeah. in that one episode where they were stranded on a mountain and like one got the pants and the other got the jacket? Well, you agreed to take turns. Under duress. Nice callback on those. What they find, Adam, is a Voyager sickle. Yeah, I love the flair for the dramatic. Like they go through the trouble of wiping off snow from on top of the ice when there's like a quarter mile of the ship <laughs> in front of their position uncovered by that snow. Yeah, on like a perfect ice skatable sheet of ice. Yeah. <laughs> like Wayne Gretzky's backyard growing up. Yeah. Sheet of ice. Striking image. Seeing the, the silhouette under the ice like this. Really cool stuff. The glacial fractures are stable, we find out, after the credits. So they get to beam inside. And when they beam in, the Voyager is in really, really bad shape. Would you say this place is a tomb? Not exactly the way I remember it. Man, I'm getting some really strange readings in here. I mean, it's in bad shape, but also... The ice has preserved the birdies. Yeah. So there is no smell. Right. Which I think is useful because when they take off their face masks and take in the fullness of the thing, we see that it's Kim and Chakotay. I kind of regretted hearing the description of the episode at the end of last week because I think at this point I might have thought that this was a naked now yeah. Call back, like, oh, they got the naked now disease and everybody's an icicle again. Right. It's icicle in icicle. Yeah, right. Wherever you look. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not like you open the shower and a frozen body falls out. It's you open the shower and the whole fucking starship is frozen. They turn a corner and someone is inside the flotter stuffed animal. Ouch! Yeah. Oof. Frozen in place. Yeah, that'd be really sad. Uh, it's Harry Kim and Chakotay. They take off their, their hoods and their ski goggles and balaclavas. They're exploring the, the ship. They say that the gel packs are frozen solid, so the computer's all fucked up from that. Yeah. I love all this. I love how the sets are treated. I love how atmospheric it feels, especially with the sound. Like, things that are frozen have that specific sound, and everything they touch is frozen. So even when it comes to like putting a puck onto a wall computer so that they can try to operate it, like even that has that specific crunching. Yeah. It's really yeah. great. The sound design and like the design of the snow and, and frost everywhere is super good. Like yeah. sometimes when you see that stuff in TV and movies, it can look really fake. Like whatever they're spraying on, whatever flocking they're applying. Yeah. Like it looks good when it's still, but then when somebody wipes it, it's like very clearly not snow or ice. Yeah. I mean, even the flocking on Chicote's hair looks very <laughs> realistic. 
it does. Yeah, the computers aren't great. They get to the bridge. The bridge is, I'd say, I would like to see this footage in HD because I'm guessing that some of what they did to protect the bridge set from all the ice that they brought in would be a little bit obvious because you mm-hmm. can see like crinkly like sheets of plastic on stuff mm-hmm. in a couple of places. But uh, yeah, the bridge is full of frozen corpses, including a Janeway sickle. Yeah. And then they find a seven sickle, and that's somehow great news. What were you hoping for here? Because like I remember being very struck by when they're sort of taking stock from what the computer can tell them, that I wanted to know if the ship could fly. I was, at this moment in time, believing this to be a salvage operation. Like, let's take the ship with us. Right. And they sort of allude to the idea of crushed decks and stuff. And and at that point, I was like, ugh, she won't fly. Yeah. They can't even get anything going. Yeah. And that mystery of what exactly they're doing there... The longer you can stretch that out, the better. And I thought that was really effective here to tease what they're doing here. You wanted to find out that they were like rich people that live in the Midwest and they could flick a switch and it would defrost the driveway? I wanted some plot edging is what I wanted. (laughs) And I got it. Chakotay broadcasts up to Tessa. And Tessa's on the Delta Flyer. She's just some lady. Yeah. What's she doing up there? She beams up the corpse of Seven. Yeah, they're just going to leave Janeway down there? That's not what they came for, man. Yeah. In Six Bay, Harry Kim has put a puck on a computer panel and gets the doctor going. Please state the nature of... Long time no see. Henson. I go by Harry now. The doctor is shocked when he materializes and sees what a mess the Six Bay is. This is a fun moment to return to later on because what... We learn from this moment is that the doctor wasn't on during the mission. <laughs> like they turned the doctor off during one of the most dangerous things the ship has ever done. <laughs> Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah. Do you think like did he turn himself off when it was clear the ship was gonna crash? Yeah, he was like, Well, fuck this. I don't wanna like live through trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not know. Like, if you were on an airplane that was going down and you had the ability to, like, just go to sleep, wouldn't you? I would probably choose to do that a little early, like, earlier than most. When you were done jacking off, I mean. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's like uh, one goes with the other, right? Like, the when you're in your refractory period, it's so much easier to fall asleep. Yeah, that's true. It's just one less thing on your mind. We're here to change history, says Chakotay. Yeah. That That is a movie preview line if there ever was one. Yeah. That's like next level like reality show contestant. That yeah. that's one step above I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make history. <laughs> I hit pause a couple of times during this episode and something has happened to the Paramount Plus app, Ben. I don't know if you've noticed this. <laughs> Again, do not use it. So <laughs> I wouldn't have. I feel like I am QAing it. For Paramount Plus. And I have notes, Ben, because when I paused the episode, a Sonic print ad appeared. Whoa. On my screen. Like for the hedgehog or for the place where you buy a hot dog and a slushie? The hot dog and a slushie restaurant on the application that I pay for to have without ads. Wow. You've really got to be paying a discounted CPM for an ad that somebody is paying not to see, right? Like, 
like Sonic has to anticipate that like a good percentage of the people that see that ad are going to be actively mad both at Paramount and Sonic for showing them that, right? Isn't there more value at self-advertising than a Sonic ad? Like if I'm watching a Star Trek show and I pause it, tell me that the next season of Picard is coming on at a certain date. Like <laughs> that would make some sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, we're talking about it here, Adam, and now Sonic's going to get the greatest gen bump. Oh, it worked, didn't it? God damn it. Fuck! This fucking worked out great for them. I'm not even hungry. 30% of the Friends of DeSoto, you know, like the people that aren't going to foullock.com just got in their car and drove toward the closest Sonic, you know? Yeah, it really works. It's really sad to think about. After the commercial, we come back to an office party in engineering. <laughs> I loved this. The way the, the warp core is all multicolored yeah. and everyone's clapping. There's like different frame rates happening. Like it's, yeah. it's very atmospheric. It's slow motion flashback, but then we go to full speed eventually. It's the unveiling of the quantum slipstream drive, which appears to be something that you can modify a normal warp core to do. Right, right. We didn't see any of this modification happening. I like that BLT smashes the champagne against the railing around and not actually against the drive yeah. itself. Yeah, good move. <laughs> it was very wise of her. Or doesn't miss the railing. Yeah. It's a long way down to the bottom of the warp core. Yeah. It looks like she gets kind of soaked by this, right? <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like Roxanne Dawson plays it off. I mean, we're we're praising how good of a smash it was, but like the longer you scrutinize it, the worse it is. Yeah, yeah. She's standing there dripping while the captain gives her grandiloquent speech about the next generation and in interstellar propulsion. And this is a bit of counting your chickens before, is it not? The longer you think about it, the more shocking it becomes. Like they are they are toasting pre-success, which can still get you pregnant, Ben. Right, yeah. It's like every scene with a control room has the moment where the papers go up and people are toasting and then there's like an ominous fax coming in that nobody's noticing. And that's the role that Tom Paris plays in this episode. Am I making any sense here? He's the fax machine. Yeah. Our course is locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. It's a very Stephen J. Cannell type of celebration here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose, I suppose it is. He would love this. He really would. No one liked a good time more than Stephen J. Cannell. Yeah, like nobody partied harder than Stephen J. Cannell or Seven of Nine, who is completely white girl wasted off of one glass of champagne. You're intoxicated. Impossible. I really love how her drunk Borgs talking is. Like the perfect combination of drunk speak and Borgs. Yeah, yeah. Whoever wrote this dialogue, perfect job. It's so funny. Like the the like Borg, I love you man moment yeah. is uh, <laughs> really good. Yeah. You are my mentor. Yes. We are as one. How would you like to be the server at the office party of the office where you work? Because I saw a couple of engineers floating around with a tray of champagne. Yeah. And I'm like, ouch. Yeah. 
That's tough, right? Hey, Gary, since you didn't really help on the <laughs> quantum slipstream drive, for the big party, we'd like you to hand out champagne. Gary, maybe take an hour off of your shift of dusting and wiping all of the flat surfaces in engineering <laughs> and maybe dispense a bunch of the champagne and, and pass it out. That'd be great. Hey, uh, so uh, BLT, who should we have passing out the champagne? Well, so remember Gary got most of the uh, calculations for uh, like tying the quantum slipstream into the EPS manifold wrong, and it yeah. cost us like a week of work, and we just had to kind of like go back and redo everything we asked Gary to do. I kind of think this is the first thing I can think of that Gary wouldn't fuck up. This fly that Neelix gives BLT. <laughs> I totally forgot about the fly. <laughs> we must talk about this fly before moving on. Try to imagine a fly the size of a squirrel. What did he call it? The fur fly? The Talaxian fur fly. And it looks exactly like it's named. Talaxian fur fly auction is the search term I'm putting in. Oh, no. Garrett Wong, also the winner of that auction bin. <laughs> oh, oh, man. He's posted on Instagram of what it looks like now. What's all that white crust on it? Ugh! Yeah. I mean, this would be a thing I, I might display under glass. It's gross as hell. I had this little fella preserved. He hung in my engine room for six years. Cute. Wow. This did sell on eBay at some point. For $355. Oh, that's value. In 2008. Somehow this is more disturbing than the nubbin bug. <laughs> because it's hair, right? There were only five bids on this? Are you fucking kidding me? Is there a guarantee of authenticity on that product? Let's see. I'm trying to skim the description. Doesn't say anything about a certificate of authenticity, but it does say the fur has worn off in a few places. Oh, I bet. The head and one of the legs have broken off, but are included and can be reattached. <laughs> then why don't you do that before selling it? Yeah. This is a person that didn't care to get top dollar. Yeah. <sighs> That's not how you make bank in a Star Trek auction. In the same way that Seven is great at talking drunk, the faint praise that Tuvok levels on Neelix here in reaction to this fucking fur fly <laughs> is great. He shuts him down. Mr. Neelix, you are an unending source of astonishment. Why, thank you, Mr. Vulcan. Tom is looking over some readouts on a screen and he's like, dude, like, I don't I don't feel good about this party. This this is bad. Like, this is not good. This is this quantum slipstream, there's a phase variance and it's gonna fuck up. And Harry is like, man, like you need to chill all the way out. Everybody believes in this but you. And if it's going to help you get over these bad feelings, why don't we go down to the holodeck, turn off the safeties, and simulate this so that we can feel something, anything. <laughs> Paris is like, don't you think it's weird that we've all learned how to fly the quantum slipstream, but no one has learned how to land it? <laughs> Yeah, what's Janeway up to? This is that moment <laughs> of the episode where you're like, how does this group of professionals not know this before the party? Yeah. At what point is the party floated and everyone joins in unison? Yes, this is a good idea and the right order to do things. It seems crazy. And Harry Kim has this real hit me again energy. 
when they run the simulation for the 27th time and right. die. He's like, yeah, no, no, like, it's just about putting the, the calculation in in time, man. Like, let's yeah. just run it one more time. And Paris is like, dude, we've run it so many times. This is not going to work. Yeah. It's too kludgy. I got other things I want to do on the last day of my life. <laughs> the results of this simulation are kind of a drag at the end of the party. That It's like the, it's the aftermath. There's still, like, red Solo cups with half a beer in them yeah. all over engineering and streamers still hanging from the rafters someone's got to pick up that confetti i know like gary get in here yeah this is gary's glitter (laughs) wow (laughs) (laughs) man i feel like the whole project of the greatest generation led up to that moment yeah perfect construction that was that was beautiful my friend absolutely flawless this bad news i mean everyone who is a stakeholder in this project is there. And as the bad news becomes clear, I mean, God, what a fucking bummer. Yeah. What an end to the party. But there is an alternative, right? It's not all, this isn't going to work. What do we do? It's, I have an idea. Yeah. Says Harry Kim. Why don't we do this Harry's way? And Janeway's like, what is Harry's way? And And Kim is like- where you put like a bunch of olive oil and- Italian dressing on the sandwich, right? Isn't that what it is? Just exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. (laughs) Let's put Harry in a shuttle. We'll put that shuttle out in front of the ship. Harry will will relay the variants back to Voyager so that the ship can compensate for all the problems that it would run into without the shuttle out front. What TNG episode was that? Was that Booby Trap where Picard had to do that? Yeah. Mm. I feel like they could have just said let's booby trap this bitch (laughs) and everyone would understand and we will have saved three minutes of conversation (laughs) Gary glitter now (laughs) (laughs) it's also kind of calls back that time that Harry was being a bastard to Tom Paris and like and then like Tom like wouldn't let it drop and Harry had to do all the risky shit for the rest of the episode like yeah. why does Harry have to go in the shuttle Look another question probably not highest priority but if Harry is out in the shuttle who's running stick on Voyager Yeah seriously like yeah. there's, there's a, a lot of unprobed hurls Yeah I was shocked that no one mentions that Paris is the best pilot on the ship. Yeah. Paris, not a part of this program. He's got a pilot Voyager. That's the reason. I guess so. But it seems like the riskier piloting would happen on the Delta Flyer. It's the math skills that Harry is is being yeah. hired for for this job. If I transmit the code back to Voyager using my clarinet, <laughs> that'd be the most efficient way to do it. There's sort of a sunk cost fallacy in this. Like, here's like, we've got to still proceed with the quantum slipstream because we put all this fucking work into building it. Yeah. We've spent months on this. We've got these crystals that are already decaying in the warp core. We got to use the crystals. Crystals! This all feels like the confluence of the worst vehicle design moments in human history. (laughs) Have conversations like these, right? Like, it's a super cold day, but Challenger's got a launch, baby. Like, (laughs) we can't hold this thing up. Look at all the work we've done. 
These are the executives that chose to ship the 737 MAX yeah. before it was actually safe. But in, I mean, to the credit of the Voyager crew, it would be like the executives choosing to ship the MAX and also fly in it the first like 150 times <laughs> it gets at the end. <laughs> if only. <laughs> <laughs> and by saying that, I mean, I think different decisions get made if those are the risks. Right. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. If do it. If do it. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. If do it. If do it. Do it. Dumped a bit of a bucket of ice water on what was supposed to be a pretty celebratory night before the big day tomorrow. But uh, Chicote and the captain keep their dinner date, and uh, Janeway has really pulled out the romantic stops for a dinner where it goes unstated, but the tension in the scene is very much that Chicote is sad about her impending reunitement with Tom Mervyn's. Yeah. For the clothes you love to live in. It's so weird because if you were to just watch the scene on mute, you would think this was a sort of lover's quarrel. Like there's intimacy in the way Janeway touches him, you know, the way the lights are down low and the candles are lit and this is a proper meal and stuff. Their facial expressions look argumentative, but not in a heated way. Right. But the dialogue is all professional. Anybody that ever had like questions about whether you should ship these two is immediately disproven by the energy in this scene, I would say. Chakotay is like, I really feel like I should use protection. It's a responsible thing to do. And Janeway's like, I really feel like the risk is worth it. <laughs> Jam it in there. I want you to hit it raw. I want you to hit it now, Chicote. This may be your last opportunity. There's coffee in our last night in the Delta Quadrant. I'd say that's special enough. We get a nice transition here because uh, that pre-mission report that Chicote was holding on to with one hand dissolves into the frozen mission report. Of many years later. It stayed right there. Even when they crashed on a planet, it stayed on the table. Yeah. (laughs) So we cut back to the future, I guess. And old Kim and old Chakotay are uh, in the like locker room area of the Delta Flyer, getting out of their away team garb, talking to the doc. Were they describing the scenes to the doc that we were just watching? That felt a little unclear. Yeah. The doc is like, why are you telling me about the sexual tension of your dinner? <laughs> is that really germane to what we're doing here? Yeah, like, what do you imagine I'm going to do with that information now? <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you as a medical professional, not using protection will increase the chances of pregnancy, Chicote. <laughs> Sounds great. Listen, like, yes, the majority of the adults, sexually active population does have herpes but like you should also like use a dental dam like that's the medical recommendation all right the doc is a great proxy for the viewer here because he's asking all the questions we would have about where and when this happened and what happened to the crew and like all the follow-up questions come out of the doctor's mouth and the the summary is that Janeway crash landed the Voyager during this slipstream drive mission And the Delta Flyer made it all the way home without them. Yeah. The Voyager crashed like on the doorstep of the A-Quad. Everybody on board was killed on impact, but for some reason not turned into cat food. Yeah. Like the bridge of the Voyager did not look like the bridge of the Event Horizon for some reason. 
This is the most we've gotten to look at Harry Kim yet in this episode. And he is so dark and angry looking. He's acting like he may be Mayquees now. Mayquees? He really is. Yeah, I got that energy too. He tells the doctor, like, when I got back, I got really into Paul Verhoeven movies, and that's why I look like this. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it a little late for that? Yeah. He and Chicote really seem to have a hate on for Starfleet for abandoning the search. Yeah. And Harry has also just been living with a lot of guilt because the calculations that caused the slipstream trip to fail were the calculations that he was making. Yeah. So he spent, you know, 15 years feeling like survivor's guilt, but also like reworking his math. But he's got a lot of anger too, right? It's not just the guilt part. It's he's angry at Starfleet. He's angry at himself. He's willing to commit crimes to get back to this point. And he's willing to break the temporal prime directive, which is why they got Seven's body from the surface. He stopped playing clarinet years ago. Yeah. He doesn't have any any sort of creative outlet anymore. He's like, I used to almost be like a sex addict, I would say, and I haven't fucked in like 10 years. Part of it is this sort of mud flap I'm hanging off the back of my head. Yeah. I've made myself somewhat unfuckable. Like, I know that I still have the like super sexy bone structure, but the hair is really doing me no favors. Yeah. I've got the sort of leather jacket and generalized affect of a guy you don't really want to talk to in a card room (laughs) (laughs) who puts down his name on the list as like just a city like (laughs) Chicago. No one's actually named that, but that's what everyone calls him. Yeah. Weird. So they start explaining to the doctor that the reason that they grabbed Seven's body is that she has an interplexing beacon in her head. And that will enable them to send a message back through time. Just like the Borgs did in First Contact. Yeah. Borg. Sounds Swedish. And they can prevent this shitty-ass future from ever having occurred. Yeah. All we need to do is desecrate her body. Yeah. Kind of massively. That shouldn't be a problem. She looks reasonably well-preserved. And then plug those parts into this other thing we got from Starfleet. It's a real rogue mission. This is a real, like, Star Trek three situation that the doctor has found himself in the middle of like they already stole the delta flyer they already raided the like warehouse that they keep the ark of the covenant and also the borg materiel and stole some extra thing that they need and uh they're fugitives like there's like word that starfleet is is on the case and looking for them and is like several hours away they're wanted for treason The prop that I wanted more than the fly was this red box. This pelican case looked amazing. Classified pelican case? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Inject that into my veins. That thing is awesome. That is really cool. How much did you want an entire season about this heist, though? Because so much work was done leading up to this that I could have used a four-episode arc. Man. For sure. Seriously. I mean, this is a a season of... Star Trek Picard or Star Trek Discovery that they're describing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so they stole this thing and the doc meets Tess and he's like, what's her deal? Kim's description of this is so bizarre. He's like, they're doing sex together, you know? (laughs) He put his thingy in her thingy and now they're just, they just hang out all the time. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Even decades in the future, 
Kim is made to watch. It's also like kind of implied that like Chakotay has still got a thing for Janeway, right? Like when he's talking to Tess, it's clearly like, yeah, hearing her voice still, still really intense for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They hear like a moment of audio from a log she records and it, it totally stops him in his tracks. Yeah. Really sad stuff. The scene is so weird, though, too, right? Because Chicote in this very same scene, is like, look, babe, I know everything we've done together for 15 years has been about erasing you from my life. <laughs> but now that we're up to the moment of truth, I just want you to know we don't have to do it. Yeah. You just say the word, babe, and we'll cancel this whole thing. This signal we're broadcasting into the past, it will erase the fact that we were ever in a relationship, that we were ever in love. And Tessa's like, well, how would that make me look, yeah. Chakotay, if I did that? Hey, you thought you were doing a sunk cost fallacy thing at the <laughs> beginning of this episode? <laughs> <laughs> I saw what your face did when you heard that moment of Janeway's captain's log. Yeah, you basically nutted in your silver away team suit. We haven't taken a bath together in years. <laughs> But really, Tessa is as supportive as anyone can be. And that may be the most science fictional part of this entire story. Yeah. Is she's like, yeah, cool. Just like many other people who you've fallen for, Chicote, uh, I will soon be erased from the record. Whatever that like cult leader thing that Chicote had that made him good at leading Mayquis must be at play here. You think he's reverse psychologizing her? Yeah, like she is like so down to just like erase everything about herself for him in this way that is like <laughs> really creepy. Would you steal for me? Yeah. Would you take the brand, Tess? Would you erase the last 15 years from your life? <laughs> Damn. That is real ride or die. Yeah. It's real time ride or time die. Yeah. Isn't it? Mm. Oh, everything sounds cooler when you put time in front of it. Well, I've got to get that platinum. Get that roll metal argument. I've got to get that platinum. What now? Are you selling a heist? Gold. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. 
With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. The Doc is helping them to the extent that he has taken a section of skull out of seven. This is like a copper, like it's the stuff that was in her head that wasn't human anymore, I guess. Hey, what did this prop go for on eBay and who won this auction? <sighs> I'm looking for that. I can't find it. Uh, G Wong. <laughs> yeah. He must have spent a lot of those uh, residual checks. <laughs> so, on props he could have just taken from set. Why did he yeah. do it like that? <laughs> so, you know, he's helping them, like, configure the skull to, like, get the broadcast sig- channel that they need to send the thing on or whatever. Yeah, that's well put. Harry Kim is talking about their, like, heroic homecoming. The only two survivors of the Voyager incident were really feted when they returned. Like, lots of speeches, lots of admirals, like, slapping them on the backs. Antimatter fireworks, a Vulcan children's choir. Admiral McIntyre even wanted me to marry his daughter. I also did sex. <laughs> like, I did it, like, a thousand times in that first week. It was awesome. I touched so many boobs. 
It was cool. It was really cool. You would have loved it, Doc. Kind of an empty description of the celebration, right? Because while they're smashing just constantly, in between the smashes, (laughs) Kim feels the sadness of what he feels like is his responsibility. And he signs right back up to go back into space. He's like, look, I cannot smash like this forever. I need to go back up, search for Voyager. And so he does that for a while. But if I keep going like this, my dick is going to fall off. And then years from now, it's going to be in an online auction for screen used Star Trek prop. They can tell that sometimes I have to use the clarinet. (laughs) The doctor at one point was like, hey, man, like that sounds like you got it pretty good. Like when you went back, like they really treated you right. And Kim is like, no, man, you have no idea how shitty it was. I really love this episode for Garrett Wong. And I think this is the scene that's why, because you need to have both gears to tell a story like this. You need to have the... I'm uncomfortable with the attention I was receiving for doing the heroic thing. And also the, there's nothing I've ever hated more than the organization that made this entire thing possible and then betrayed me. Right. And Garrett Wong has both of those things, but mostly what we've gotten from him after five seasons has been just like arm swinging Ensign Kim playing clarinet and occasionally being the stick man of the ship. You know, like this edginess to him, I kind of crave it. And I hope that there's more of this in the remaining seasons of Voyager because like, I think there's something here. I know. There's almost like a lethality to it. Like, did he kill a guy to steal that box with the Borg item in it? I would (laughs) believe it after this scene. Yeah, no, like the dark Brandon of Harry Kim is like a thing that I can't even believe that they wrote an episode around given how little of that they've given him to do in the preceding seasons. And like- Is that what makes it hit so much harder is that we've just not gotten a whiff of it at all and now it's like, there he is. Yeah. There were the occasional TNG episode that gave like Marina Sirtis a whole bunch of shit to do and a death to get to with her character- that just made you like mad at other TNG episodes for having so badly underused her. Yeah. And this episode kind of smacks of that for me with Garrett Wong. Yeah. But the upshot of this scene is to convince the doctor to join team fuck with the timeline. Like they they tell him about how illegal what they're doing is. And they're like, so, you know, like, you can help us or not. And the doc is uh, is down to clown. Yeah. I mean, where else is he going to go? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he would enjoy a hero's welcome. Like, part of it is, like, there's a little bit of salivating happening when Kim tells the doc, like, about their hero's welcome. Right. And that, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the doc was fantasizing about his own hero's welcome. Yeah. Once he returned. Right. That's not a part of this. So we cut back to the past, and the Voyager is in space with the Delta Flyer out in front of it, and they're getting ready for a brush with history, as it were. The crew on the Delta Flyer, Chakotay and Kim, go through the checklist. We find out that the lunch is going to be salami sandwiches, and I have to assume that this is a big part of why Ensign Kim fucked up his math. Like... 
Getting a bad lunch on like an, a really important day like this. No problem. I'm a vegetarian. How can it not be related? I wonder why Star Trek got so far away from cultural culinary touchstones. Like the way Keiko would share food with O'Brien. Yeah. Was like made into a punchline on Deep Space Nine, but it was a representation of like Japanese culture. Right. On the show in a way where I feel like salami sandwich kind of betrays what <laughs> Ensign Kim could be enjoying on a trip like this. Yeah. In a way that kind of made me sad. I mean, Janeway made biryani for Chicote in the earlier scene. Yeah. I guess you get one of those per episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one good dish, and then we have to balance yeah. it out with one bad dish. Yeah, there's uh, there's only one example of chef signaling per show, and that's it. <laughs> is Seven hungover in this scene? I was so craving a callback to that. Because oh, this is the day after the party, damn. and she was drunk for the first time. It would have been great if they're like, why is everyone talking so loud? Can we <laughs> can we dim the bridge illumination by 20%? How would you guys feel about me doing this stuff from the ass lab, given <laughs> just it being a lot quieter and easier to focus on my work down there? Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, so they get started on their go, and we now start to kind of cut back and forth between the present and the future. And, man, I think that the cutting in time stuff in this episode is a really great combination of script and direction because it is so lively and so like when it puts you off balance and you forget like which part of the timeline you're in it felt so purposeful because we cut back like they're getting ready to go and now we're back with like Tess and Chakotay on yeah. the Delta Flyer and they get warned by Captain LaForge not to do the thing that they're about to do and like the the risky thing that we're about to do being the thing that is being built toward in both timelines is such a fun dynamic and it's such an unusual use of like inter-timeline cross-cutting. I'm really glad you get 50% more than just a cameo by LeVar Burton going, I'm Captain LaForge and I have a ship. I'm just here to tell you to draw down. Like, you get more than that because this scene between him and Chakotay is pretty interesting. It really is. Because they're they're kind of at time travel heads about what they're trying to negotiate here. And it's funny how equal 15 years of recorded history is to, in Chakotay's mind, all of his family and friends that he's made on Voyager. Like, yeah. I'm not going to let that go, just like LaForge isn't going to let go of the last 15 years for him. I'm asking you again. Stand down and return the transmitter. You know I can't do that. And you know I have to try to stop you. It's really intense. They have a kind of a game-recognized game, like agree to disagree at the end yeah. of this. Like... You got to do what you got to do. I got to try and stop you. When I see the galaxy class coming around the corner, I will not hesitate. <laughs> I, was just, I, I was headed toward the heat comparison. It's yeah. Like, yeah. like, that's the discipline, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chakotay talks about how few attachments he has, and his lady in the background is like, 
What? <laughs> I told you I would erase 15 years of my life for you. What, what was all that shit when like you took me on the date and I was telling you about how I studied graphic design at Parsons and then you took me to your weird house that has no furniture? <laughs> Did that mean nothing to you? <laughs> what does being alone but not lonely even mean? <laughs> kind of the same thing, I think. Yeah. I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Back on Slipstream Day. <laughs> Bangers in the stream. That is what they are. Yeah. And uh, this is the, the moment where Harry Kim has to start calculating the the corrections mm-hmm. in the phase variants that, that need to be sent back to the ship. They send them back to the ship. And it's like, oh, like this, like this did not work. Yeah. Because the phase variance fixes for a second, and then it goes back to being bad. And Harry is like, being asked to, you know, double check that he carried the one or whatever. And he's like, I can't. I wonder (laughs) how much they toyed with the idea of not showing the entire timeline of the Voyager crash and whatnot, because the reality is by them remaining in their future timeline and nothing has changed and Tess is still there and all that. Like, that's how you know that the mission was not successful. But when we cut back and see the entire ship crash, I don't know. I like seeing the ship crash. I'm not saying that I don't want to, but. Yeah, because like they send the information into Seven's head and Mm -hmm. Seven is like, I've got corrections coming into my Borg thing after they lose Mm -hmm. contact. They go with it. And here's the thing. I think when they crash, the thing that my mind went to was they crashed because the time paradox is rogue Kim and Chakotay caused this thing the entire time. Yeah. But that's adding the complexity of a modern viewer onto a show that existed in a decade where the Christopher Nolanification of time travel <laughs> had yet to occur. Right. Yeah. I guess maybe, I don't know. Like I, this is not said explicitly, so you may have a point here, but it was definitely where my mind went. And, you know, they start asking their, themselves, like, why didn't we disappear? Why is history not fixed? Yeah. And, like, we get to see the full crash. We get to see everybody on the bridge get turned into cat food. All hands brace for impact. It's really exciting. Yeah. It's ugly. It's an ugly crash. Back to the future, Kim is incredulous. Chakotay is upset because they're caught in a tractor beam. Right. And once the tractor beam takes your ship, you can't escape because tractor beams are strong. I don't know why the scientists keep making them. Yeah. And the doc is like, look, bud, the way time works is that like you can try again. <laughs> if you're sending messages into the past, yeah. send one a second before the, the message that you sent to the past. Do it again. And Kim is like, I don't know what to change. It took me 15 years to come up with the solution that I sent back already. We're in a tractor beam right now. You're telling me I have a minute to come up with a new solution? Fuck that. I can't do it. I won't do it. And this is another scene (laughs) of Garrett Wong and like his explosiveness that 
that I thought was great. I loved seeing this. I killed them. Control yourself. They trusted me and I killed them. I still can't. Yeah, the I'm feeling sorry for myself and feeling so overwhelmed by failure that I can't think outside of the box that I've been in. And my idea was like, what if the, the message goes back to like the day before and says like, don't do the slipstream. <laughs> what if you send a message to the day before and you tell Seven to grab the champagne bottle from BLT and smash it against the warp core? <laughs> and then use the rest of the bottle to stab BLT. Yeah, that would stop it. Yeah. But they're 30 seconds from a warp core breach on the Delta Flyer. And like everyone's content to ride this out. Like whatever message that Kim can come up with, that's the bet. Like I bet he's going to figure out something. We're going to stay on the Delta Flyer until it explodes to allow it to happen. And back in the past, we see what the new message is. Seven of Nine gets the message like the scene we saw before. The new phase corrections are entered. But this time, instead of slipping out of the stream and damaging itself, the Voyager slips out of the stream along with the Delta Flyer Yeah, and kind of falls out of this brand of warp. And they're like, what the hell happened, Seven? And she's like, "What? Are, like, I put in the corrections that happened inside my mind in a way that none of you can verify, and it uh, collapsed the slipstream. And they're like, are you fucking hungover? What's going on? Seven's like- She's like, no, I swear. Can everyone just stop yelling at me for a second, please? Just- <laughs> Please lower your voice. Please lower your voices. I'm begging you. Seven is made to look so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I could really just use a biscuit, like a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. <laughs> I think that would really make me feel better, right? Because my stomach. Oh my god. I have had Rhea like five times. I was asking for a Broad last night at the party. I forgot my Broad, but like you all forgot your Broad? Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. You got to squirrel them away in your coat parkets. Yeah. I've been finding mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like finding a mask from like early COVID in a, in a coat pocket that you haven't worn since that winter. Oh, <laughs> do not like that feeling. That happened recently to me. <laughs> Look at this cloth handmade mask that a <laughs> beloved friend made me. Yeah, yeah. So we get a captain's log and it's like, I've ordered the dismantlement of the slipstream because it's too dangerous, but it did save us 10 years. So using it for just short spurts that save us 10 years at a time is not a good idea for reasons. Hey, Gary, seriously? There's still shit all over the floor in here. Like, we cannot have a workplace that looks like a fucking dorm room, Gary. Oh, you were going to wait until we got home to clean up? Fuck you, Gary. Fuck you. Yeah, you think we're going through the plasma fireworks and being feted by the admirals when engineering smells like stale beer and has, like, beer pong tables set up everywhere? Are you kidding, Gary? I was sad. The dismantlement of the colorful warp drive. I liked how it looked. But there's a newfound optimism having saved 10 years of their trip. Yeah. Yeah, they turned that L upside down, didn't they? They really did. And Harry Kim is having a conference room bum out where he's like going over his math by himself. And the captain comes in and she's like, hey, you need to cheer up too because we verified the 
calculations that Seven put in, they came from you, man. Before I show you the contents of this tricorder, I also want to say, you need to stop playing the clarinet in my chair on the bridge. (laughs) You're doing that spit valve thing in the very middle of the seat. It does not look good. And she's like, I have a log entry for you. And he's like, you mean like what I did to the uh, flotter toy? And she's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I mean like a personal log that came in with the signal to, to seven. Yeah. You can watch it. Do you think Janeway watched this first? She kind of had to have, right? Because what if this is a like sports almanac situation? Like, isn't it not her duty as a captain to, as timeline police, there's a responsibility there, right? To make sure that future Kim doesn't give this Kim a bunch of information that could fuck them over. That guy's a criminal. That guy killed people. So you're saying the temporal prime directive confines her duty solely to, both to please that, that booty. booty. Yeah, and also protect the timeline. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it. it. Just in case you're wondering. Yeah. I had to watch it. I think you broke the episode, Adam. I don't <laughs> think it works. He plays this tricorder message, and it's just a bunch of bits from future Kim. Like... <laughs> You fucking mess. Look at you. You son of a bitch. Look at me. Hey, (laughs) hey, man. We stole some things. Yeah. We killed some people. (laughs) You have it in you. You have it in you to be the bad guy from a Paul Verhoeven movie. Just look at me. Look at this. Can't you just picture me in like a warehouse full of cocaine or whatever? Yeah. Or like holding two Uzis and like saying, you know, no time for backup. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played clarinet in 15 years, dude. (laughs) I'm fucking. (laughs) Chicote thinks that he is the only person that's hitting that and the camera pans over to Tessa. Yeah. He's wrong. Yeah. Guess what, bub? I just erased the last 15 years, but I want you to know the potential is there. Take it with you. Did you like this episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. I really did. It's a fun episode to watch. It's a fun episode to talk about. I love timeline storylines. Janeway tells Kim at the end, Time travel of stories and paradoxes are fucked out. No one likes them. No one likes thinking about them. I do. <laughs> I love this shit. This is great. Yeah. Notably, I love this as a Garrett Wong episode. Yeah. You know what? For as much as this does for Garrett Wong, it continues to cripple Robert Beltran as Chicote here because like, a romance between him and Tessa is demonstrated by what exactly dialogue like this is all dialogue and no heat for two people that i wanted to see a little bit of steam with yeah you know like what is hot about them it's all tell no show yeah i didn't like that like do you think seska crippled chakotay in the on-screen makeouts department like was that so difficult for people to take given what happened there that we just don't we don't do that with him anymore yeah 
because people want to ship Janeway and Chakotay and we just like, we don't even want to tease them. I don't know. If that's the reason, that's a bad reason. I think that it's really just comes down to, you know, there's so much time in a single episode. No time for a handhold, Ben? Like where on the Delta Flyer would you even put a bathtub? Yeah, it's true. Does Chakotay handle Paris's balls at the controls? Yeah, I think so. We don't get any of that. <laughs> I don't remember seeing any of that. We don't get the the stealing of the Delta Flyer either. Yeah. Which is a bummer. I'm grateful for what we do get, and I'm not upset about what we don't. What about you, Ben? I'm grateful for what we, what we get as well, Adam. It's a whole new year, so I'm trying to like approach these things with gratitude. And, and uh, I, I thought it was a very fun episode. I found myself pausing a lot in the previous episode. Maybe to get a Carl's Jr. hamburger or something? Yeah. Subliminally, you're feeling like that's what you want? I was pushing through it, you know. Like, I liked the episode, but it wasn't the most entertaining. Mm. And this was, like, super entertaining and fun in a way. Like, I, I am on the record as having great misgivings about time travel as a device in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Time travel. But in the case of this episode, it really worked for me, and I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, good job. Good job, LeVar Burton. Yeah, fun stuff. Well, do you want to see if there's any good jobs in our... <laughs> I'm going to bet on a fair amount, Ben. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. First one we got in here, Adam, is of a promotional nature, and it goes like this. Do you like stories about cute space nerds solving science mysteries together? How about funny little drawings of said space nerds? Curious to find out how a whole planet fell off the grid? Mm. Leaving everyone trapped inside a video game? And then parenthetically not suck disc. Check out Carboniferous, a new thing by the author of such beloved webcomics as Curvy and The Nerds. It's reasonably short, yet surprisingly thick and meaty. Curvy and The Nerds was the name of my high school band. (laughs) Uh, New free episodes drop every week as we hurtle towards the exciting conclusion. And it says, start at page one by going to bit.ly slash readmycomic, all lowercase. How did you even get that URL? I cannot believe that that was available, but it was. Wow. This is a comic by Sylvan Migdal, and uh, he would like you to go to bit.ly slash readmycomic today. Pretty cool. Going for that greatest gen bump. Yeah. The comic bump, especially bouncy. Yeah, that's a big bounce when it comes to the greatest generation. Uh, These seem like very nice nerds in this comic. Carboniferous. I love the art style. Sylvan Migdal has some real talent here. Yeah, check it out. Bit.ly slash readmycomic. Really beautiful character designs and color. Ben, our second priority one message is from past Cody. Whoa. It is to future Cody. <laughs> okay, so sounds like uh, it, it sort of is on theme with the episode we just watched, right? Yeah, good call. Or is it, I guess it would be future Cody sending a message to past Cody would be on theme. So this is the opposite of the theme. It is, yeah. Yeah. All right, here's that message. Okay. Future Cody, I know you're drunk right now. Working your way through 
the back catalog, worried <laughs> that all the therapy you're doing is for naught because life is shit. So I'm here in the future somewhere to tell you that life is totally worth it and awesome. Wow. Keep at it, buddy. Love, uh, future you. Future Cody, don't you worry your pretty little head about life being shit until you've eliminated every member of a species <laughs> in a fit of rage. You don't know what that feeling feels like, truly. As the perpetrator of a genocide who afterwards really questioned whether life was worth living myself, I found a new way <laughs> and a new Rashan. And can you believe that when I went to a tattoo parlor to commemorate all of that, they misspelled the word regrets? <laughs> <laughs> Few people know the best tattoo artists in the quadrant were Hooshnack. <laughs> Didn't really think that went through. I guess the joke's really on me at the end of the day. <laughs> Hoisted myself on my own petard that time. What I'm trying to say is... You can find Miriam reasons that make life worth living. Our final priority one message today is from Kimberly, and it's to Ben and Adam. It goes like this. Ben and Adam, I'm a longtime viewer from back in 2016, after Uxbridge, but before the boy became an ensign. Wow. I've always been a bit behind and vowed to thank you for the laughs when I eventually caught up. You've gotten me through some of the worst, dad's death and bad breakup, and added to the best, meeting he who is now my husband. Wow. Wow. I look forward to finally starting Greatest Trek. Thanks. Wow, Kimberly. That's awesome. I can't believe we got you through bad stuff. I'm excited we got you through good stuff, and I'm excited that you're going to listen to Greatest Trek. I love how Kimberly used every character in the field. Like, sometimes there are spaces, sometimes there are not spaces. Mm-hmm. Got the whole message in. Yeah, it's good stuff. Congratulations, Kimberly. Yeah. If you'd like to get a message on the show, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Set one up today. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Oh, boy. You know, I'm tempted to give it to, to Harry Kim just for being, like, the most, like, compelling character in mm -hmm. the episode mm -hmm. and he is compelling but i think i'm gonna give it to tessa for being a character that sort of seems to show up to be the person that chakotay is having sex with and no other things <laughs> god he <laughs> must fucking knock it out for it to be <laughs> worth erasing 15 years she is like yeah like sign me the fuck up if i could keep going like if there's a bed on the Delta Flyer, like, let's steal the Delta Flyer and go erase history, baby. Many people believe that <laughs> the reason I am so docile in my new career is the lobotomy. <laughs> but the one thing that I remember is having been so thoroughly fucked. <laughs> <laughs> That I don't need to remember the last 15 years of my life. Yeah. I was surprised to learn this this actress did 28 episodes of ER and then has basically not worked since. 
since like ER and Voyager. You're cashing residuals if you were on ER, baby. Yeah, maybe she's just set. God, that rules. That is a good fucking business decision right there. Yeah. Nice one, Christine Harnos. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Well, Adam, it's time to head to gach.biz slash game and find out how we'll be doing the next episode of the show. Hey, can I tell you who my drunk Shimoda is first? Uh, Yeah, I guess we could fit that in. Is that possible? Yeah, we could try. All right. Okay. It's Harry Kim because his character is so compelling. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> there you go. So I kind of already said it? Yeah, but you didn't know you were saying it. Yeah. All right, well, <laughs> let's move on. What do you say? Yeah. Okay, Adam, it's time for us to talk about next week's episode. Of course, that's going to be Season 5, Episode 7, Infinite Regress. Seven of Nine begins exhibiting the personalities of people that she assimilated as a member of the Collective. I mean, did, I don't feel like she actually did the assimilation, right? She just kind of looked the other way? You know what, Adam? That's the same tune that people that say Picard <laughs> bears no responsibility for Wolf 359 sing. Uh-huh. It's like, uh, you know, it's like it's such a general action. You can't blame any one drone. So that's mm, it. I don't think so. <laughs> that's what the next episode's going to be. It's seven just trying to explain it away. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> of course, uh, to find out if there will be any modifiers on next week's episode, we need to head to gach.biz slash game, where we keep the game of buttholes. The Will of the Caretaker, where our runabout is currently on square eight. A couple squares ahead, we have a The Caretaker himself square, which yeah. would uh, randomize us. And then a couple squares after that is a Coco Nono, which would be a tiki-themed episode. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. So uh, let's see what I hit when I roll this dice. Exciting roll coming up. Could be anything. But it isn't, Adam. I rolled a three. <laughs> what? Tula! Did I win? Hardly. I sandwiched us right in between those two things. Damn. And uh, it's, it's just nothing but a regular old episode next week. All right, I can get with that. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fine. I'm not worried. I feel like that's the prevailing expectation of A Friend of DeSoto, is a regular episode. Mm-hmm, yeah, our dry January can continue apace. Dry January in the streets. Very wet January in the sheets. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Yeah, it's a real gusher. I'm pissing myself while I sleep. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This just about wraps it up for today's episode, but we should uh, do a little business here at the end of the show, right? We got some yeah, some strings to tie up. Happy New Year to all of the friends of DeSoto who support the show, make the show yeah. possible, make it possible to... Uh, Put Windy Pretty, our producer, on the salary. Yeah. Thanks to that very same producer, Windy Pretty, for keeping our episodes on the tracks, on time, on schedule, on quality. Under budget? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we don't have a budget. <laughs> our budget is whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if you like our show... You might like some of the other shows on the Maximum Fun Network. That's our uh, beloved podcast network. A lot of great stuff over there, including another Star Trek podcast about New Trek. Give that a listen. 
Maybe that should be your first stop if you ever head over to MaximumFun.org and peruse their offerings. First rule of self-marketing, Ben, is you want to use the name of the project. So I'm going to say Greatest Trek is the name of that show. Oh, yeah. It's about all the new Star Trek programming that uh, the Paramount Plus Network is streaming all over us Mm -hmm. weekly. Mm -hmm. They're having a bit of a dry January. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah. I imagine uh, social media manager Bill Tilly not taking January off of anything. He's on our socials. Wherever Friends of DeSoto can be found online, you will also find Bill Tilly there, making it a great time for everyone, and we appreciate him too. We sure do. We also appreciate Nick Ditmore, who designed our show logo and many of the items you see over at podshop.biz, our online merch store, which is no longer just a joke. It actually exists and sells things. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, we got to thank Adam Ragusea, the composer of our original theme music, the Janeway song. Of course, taking some inspiration from Dark Materia in that work. Check out Adam Ragusi's YouTube channel and his podcast. They fucking rule. Yeah, they really do. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager, an episode of the greatest generation Voyager that's, like, got a lot of personality problems. Yeah, like any other episode, I guess. Yeah. But but this one has extra. Make it so. Make it so. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.